Well, how many have come ready for a word today? Amen. You love the word of God? Amen. You love Jesus today? When I mention the name Jesus, does something warm begin to burn in your heart? Amen. Certain love begins to rise to, to the, the top. Amen. When I mention the name of Jesus, does something begin to get excited on the inside of you? The revelation of who he is and who we are in him. That the very mention of the name Jesus, God can change situations. And supernatural turnarounds can happen. And, and the hardest of hearts can turn to God. Amen. I want you to know today, we just want to lift up the name Jesus. But before we uh, get into the message and I introduce the message today, I want to tell you a story about a young family. They were getting on in life, and, and they had three, three young children. And, and, you know, how many of you here have more than one child or children, and you have multiple children? I tell you what, I salute every family of young children. We've been caring for Matthew and Heather's children, our grandchildren, and I tell you what, just to be able to get to church and preach on Sunday morning is a miracle, I'm telling you. Salute to all you families out there with young children, man. And so, but uh, this, this family, uh, everything was going great, but one day tragedy struck. They were blindsided by an accident. Their youngest child had an accident, fell on his head. A floor like this, immediately his brain hemorrhaged. The story goes that he, he turned dark. His skin began to turn blackened, and they, they rushed him to the medical facility and, and, and into the care of, of the medical team. Well, the medical team examining this child realized that it was way beyond what they could do, and they called in one of the most foremost specialists in, in the field of brain surgery to come in and examine this child. Now, could you imagine you're at the playground on one day, and you're in the emergency room on the next day? I know some of you have had that type of experience before. Well, this, this specialist, he, who is supposed to be the best of the best, examines a child, and he called uh, to the medical team and says, I want to meet with the, the family immediately. I've got to meet the parents right away. He said, he gathered the parents together, and he said, look, I'm going to operate. It'll probably take all night. But I need to let you know, your son will be dead in the morning. There's really nothing we can do. The hemorrhage, I've, he said, I've never ever seen a brain this damaged in all my career. Well, they began to work on the child, began to do everything necessary in, in emergency fashion. Well, well, this family happened to believe in God and in prayer. How many of you out there believe in God and in prayer? Amen. And you know that prayer takes you beyond your human limitations and prayer lays hold of the abilities of God. Amen. And they began to pray and they called on friends to pray. Well, the morning came and the boy, they had finished the operation and the boy was still alive. And the next day, the boy was still alive. And the next day, the third day, now the medical team began to make excuses of why he was still alive. This is impossible, you know. Well, and then they begin to say, well, if he does live, he will just be like a vegetable. His brain will never, ever wake up. You have really no hope that he will ever have a normal life. Well, the story goes on to say that, that the next day and weeks and, and this young man 
began to grow and he had a normal everyday life. He played sports with all the other kids. He had activities and he grew up as if nothing had ever happened. And the, the surgeon, one of the family members of this boy, eventually went to work for this surgeon and, and the surgeon happened to ask, well, finding out that it was a relative, how is that young boy? And they told him all about it. He says, you know, and he was almost ready to retire. He says, I have never, ever seen anyone recover from such a bad brain hemorrhage. But I want you to know today that that little boy is standing in front of you. That was me. With a sentence of death on my life, I still have scars on my skull where they got the old Black & Decker out and began to drill into my brain. And they said it was impossible. They said he will never rise up. But I want you to know today that we have a living God. And we have a God who is able. Forgive me if I get a little excited today, but the God that I serve is a God who is able to change the unchangeables in our lives. Amen? <laughs> Amen. If you would, let's get the scriptures up here. I want to preach just a little bit, if you let me, on God is able. I like what the scripture says in Acts chapter 1. After much suffering, Jesus presented himself alive with many infallible proofs. And the Hebrew says Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe we should be expecting more testimonies in the body of Christ. I believe we should be expecting more of the miraculous in the body of Christ. If Jesus, who presented himself alive with proofs that could not be argued against, could not even be debated, it was by the way of only God could have done this, and he's living on the inside of you and of me. Oh, what hope we have today that Jesus will present himself alive through us to our doubting generation. We have one mission, church, and that's to show our doubting generation generation that our God is God and he's alive and he's good and he's at work and he's able to change any situation my God is able my God is able hallelujah turning to the book of Mark we have I preached on this several times but this, there's nuggets that always come out to you. Mark chapter 10 we have a drama that's, that's, that rolls out in front of us and the key characters are a blind beggar, a massive crowd, and, and Jesus. And, and I, I just want to read the first two scriptures of Mark 10, verse 46 and 47. Now, they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Now let me pause right there. There's a man who was known because of his weakness. His identity was his problem. And not only was he blind, but to add on top of that, if that wasn't enough a struggle in life, he was a beggar also. I mean, at least a blind person that has some wealth could get some good food, live in a nice place, Feel some nice clothing, but
But this man was blind and a beggar. And his custom was to sit by the road begging. Tradition says that the temple would issue a garment to legitimize those who were beggars. That you could, you could see the, the garment that they would wear and you would know that they are, are validated, okay? And if you could imagine Bartimaeus every morning when he would wake up and he would put on that cloak and he would, he would put on that garment that reminded him of his limitation. That garment that reminded him of a life that he could not have. A life that he could never have. Every time he put his arm through the sleeve of that cloak and he, he put it on his shoulders and he made his way out to the street, it reminded him of, the, of what the life he could never have and the things that he could never do. It reminded him of his weakness. Could you imagine waking up every single day? It'd be impossible to have a dream for your life. What do you have to look forward to? Hopefully to hear enough clinks in a can that you maybe can buy some bread at the end of the day and you go back the next day and the next day and the next day. Maybe you hear the jeers of people saying, get out of the way, you worthless dog. You're a strain on society. I don't know what he experienced emotionally, but we need to be sensitive to those who are struggling around us, don't we? We need to be compassionate. Well, here's, here's blind Bartimaeus, and he's sitting by the road, and he's begging. And verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> I don't know where he got his faith, but maybe somebody come through. You know, everywhere Jesus went was miracle territory. Everywhere he went, crowds gathered around. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They, they wanted to see, and, and many were desirous. They, they saw that power and virtue flowed from him. Hey, one uh, one um, account in Scripture says, when the men of a certain village heard Jesus was coming, they had heard about the woman who had touched the hem of his garment, and they begged him, saying, Lord, could we at least touch the hem of your garment? And here's the account of the scripture. It says, and everyone who touched were made perfectly whole. I want you to know, Jesus, he ain't no halfway Jesus. Now, I know every grammar teacher is laying out in the floor right now. But, you know, I want you to know that the God is able doesn't do things halfway. And he doesn't do things half-hearted. When he provided in the scripture, it was in overflow. And when he healed, it was in completion. Amen? I want to stir up something on the inside of you not to give up on your desire for wholeness in your life, a breakthrough in your life, a miracle in your life, because your breakthrough may come just on the other side of not giving up. Don't you dare give up. It's too soon to quit. Because God is able. And something began to rise up and he began to, he heard Jesus was coming. Maybe somebody come and say, Bartimaeus, if you ever hear of a man Jesus coming to town, you, you better get a ticket to that show. Don't you miss it. He does miracles. He's full of compassion. Maybe he would hear people as he's holding his can out how they're talking about this man Jesus that they met along the way and what he did. I don't know. But maybe it was a testimony. Listen, don't hold your testimony back. Your testimony has power. 
Well, I don't know how he got his faith, but he got some faith. And he began to cry out to Jesus. Oh, I tell you what. Oh, you know, it takes a blind man to show us how to live through the eyes of faith. Amen? Amen? And so he, and he began to focus on Jesus. I think one of the greatest sermons John the Baptist ever preached was, Behold the Lamb. Everybody look at the Lamb. Here comes the champion. Here comes the overcomer. Here, here, comes, a, here comes a bread of life. Here comes the Lamb of God. Amen. Amen. A lot of times we, we need to put our mind away and our thoughts away from our problem and get a better focus of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to have my back against the wall. I know what it's like to, to, to face the odds. I know what it's like to cry to God in a midnight hour saying, God, how are we going to make it through? I know what it's like to feel crushed by the weight of the world on my shoulders. And as a man, I feel helpless to do anything about it. Lord, what am I going to do for my family? What, how are we going to make it out of here? And crying out to God, God, I need you. I've been there before. And you know what? When you're in trouble, you don't care who knows about it. You lift up your voice and you get desperate for God. I really believe the church needs to rediscover the altars. I'm a desperation for God in our society. We need to get a new fire in our prayer life and a fervency of crying out to God. Amen. Not much is going to change out there until it changes in here. And it's not the fine prayers of oratory that get the attention of God. It's, it's those fiery, passionate, desperate prayers that are like a lava flowing from a volcano that says, God, I've got to meet with you. Maybe you've never been there, but I've been there. But I know one thing, our God cry leads us to a God encounter. He's near to the brokenhearted. And as you can see, Bartimaeus crying out, God, Jesus, have mercy. He was crying out from an unchangeable situation. The doctors couldn't help him. His friends couldn't help him. There was no one around that could help this blind, beg, begging, poor man. Something he had heard about Jesus. Something began to rise up on the inside of him. Like, I am next. I'm next. If Jesus could do it for them, he can do it for me. Because he's no respecter of persons. I want you to know today. There's something in your prayer life and faith begins, faith has a voice and faith says, I am next. I know my God is able. He's proven that he's not only able, but he's proven that he is willing to touch men and women, boys and girls at any level in life and under any circumstance. There's nothing too difficult for my God. I think sometimes we just aren't desperate enough. Sometimes we just settle for whatever life throws our way and we say, I guess uh, this is it. My life is just a dead end street. I'll never get promoted. My kids will never get saved. I don't think I'll ever get healed be quiet let faith arise 
us because faith cries out, I am next. Is there someone in the room here today? You need a miracle and nothing else will do. And there's something crying out on the inside of you that says, I need a touch from God. I need a move from God and nothing else will do. I need a miracle and nothing else will do. I want you to know what he has done for some, he will do for others. I am next. You know that, I, we were in a, um, we were relaunching out into missions and, and Angie had an emergency. She had to have a, an, uh, an operation overnight, a cyst the size of a baseball grew inside of her and flipped her ovaries around and she was in so much pain. We went to two emergency rooms Okay, and then finally had the staff assembled for surgery that day. Well, when we didn't have any insurance at the time. And you know, do you know how much an operating room costs before anybody flips on the light and sucks any air out of the room? Yeah, over $20,000. And then you add the staff, and the, here comes the anesthesiologist. Bless the anesthesiologist. And, and I, just, I just really commend the medical field. They're doing incredible, incredible things. But after his, we had to do the surgery, and after it's over, we got the bill. And, and we were just relaunching back in the missions, and we had hardly nothing. Let me tell you, we were on faith. We're saying, God, here we are. You called us. You can provide for us. We're going for you. We're doing it. We know we're called to the nations. We're going to do it. And this thing comes up, and we get the bill. And let me tell you what, it was in double digits of thousands of dollars, okay? You're talking about surgeon's fees, anesthesiologists, two, uh, two emergency rooms, and, uh, and everything. But you know what? I had recently heard a testimony about how God had canceled someone's medical debt. And you know, something started rising up in me like, I am next. And I grabbed, I don't know what this is here. And I grabbed that bill that we couldn't even, it was so big, we couldn't even make an, an agreement on a monthly payment. You're talking about being overwhelmed. I know what it's like to be overwhelmed. And I didn't have anything in the natural I could throw at it. But I lifted it up to God and I said, God, I know you're a God who cancels debt. And Lord, this is too much for me. Father, can you help us with this? I declare this bill paid in full. And I put it on my desk. About a month later, I was out preaching in Kentucky or I don't know where, somewhere in the woods. And, uh, and, and I, I, I got into cell phone range and, and got a call from Angie about a month later. She says, look, we got an invoice from the hospital. And... Uh, you say, you wouldn't believe what's written across the invoice. Three words, paid in full. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And I want you to know that God is able to do that for you too. You gotta let it is me arise up on the inside. It is, I am next. I am next. God is able, everybody say God is able. Oh, I'll tell you what, there's more stories. I was in a, in a uh, um, uh, gypsy village in Hungary, and a dear lady came up to me, and through the translator, she wanted special prayer. She had a brain tumor that was inoperable. Just a, just a, just a senior citizen with no options. She said, can you pray for me? She had a desire. She had a desire. 
Come on, we got to have desire. God responds to desire. She said, can you pray for me? Well, I happened to go and, 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 and pray, and, and I wasn't even thinking about it. A year later, I'm, I'm back in this village. A, a lady comes up to me, and she says, hey, do you remember me? And I said, please remind me. I, I see so many people. She says, last year, uh, you, I'm the lady who had the brain tumor, and you prayed for me. I got to tell you, the tumor completely disappeared, and I had no problems since then. Come on, somebody. God is able. We serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. And if you're struggling in health today, I want you to know if he can touch an elderly woman in a, in a, a gypsy village in Hungary, he can touch somebody right here in San Antonio. There's no disease too great for him. There's no obstacle too, too oppressive. He kicks in the doors and he liberates the bound and he sets the captives free. Sometimes we got to stoke the desire for freedom and liberty and know who's the one who can deliver us. Oh, there's some... Uh, Angie prayed for a young lady in, in, in uh, Manchester, England who, is, who couldn't have a child. She had this nerve in her jaw that was causing so much pain that, that she, it was driving her out of her mind and the, the drugs she was on was so potent she could not even have children. And she was in church in pain that day. Angie lays hands and prays for her. Well, next year I'm back in Manchester and I'm having lunch with the pastor, John and Christine. And they said, oh, have you heard the testimony? I said, well, what's the testimony? She said, well, the young lady that Angie prayed for, the, she said that the pain immediately went away and she was able to have a child. She's never took a, a, a bit of medicine ever since. And now they're raising their young child. She's healed. She's whole. And I'm saying, praise God. God is able. God is able. He began to cry out in his unchangeable situation. Oh, he knew that through Jesus he could have a better life, a fuller life. Oh, you know, many times with our natural eyesight, it really fails us because we look at things in the natural and we determine what God is able to do based on what we see, touch, smell, taste, and feel. Now, God has given us those senses and, and hopefully we could use them to the best of our ability. But faith reaches beyond human limitation and lays hold of the ability of God. Faith reaches beyond what we can't do and lays hold of what God can do. It lays hold of why wow, things are still invisible. But I want you to know today, your God is an expert of taking what does not exist one moment and it's in your hand the next moment. He can make what is invisible one moment with a command of His Word and it's visible and it's active in your life. The Bible says the stars came forth by the breath of His mouth. And if there's something absent in your life and there's something you're needing from God, he doesn't, he doesn't have to have anything. He can speak it into existence. What a mighty God we serve. But see, our, we, the way we think in the natural is we see lack, but he sees abundance. We see sickness, but he sees the stripes of Jesus. We see, we see sin and failure. He sees the blood of Jesus applied to our life. We see impossible, but he sees possible. I was on the front porch of a, a pastor in Haiti with a team, 
and we were ministering in Haiti and this man was elderly and he had got in on the last flickering flames of the Azusa Street Revival and he goes back into Haiti and kicks out all the demons in his neighborhood and plants a church of over 8,000 people, one of the largest churches in Haiti. And he was telling us a story there through the translator, his son, uh, on the front porch. In Haiti, there's a lot of uprisings, okay? And if you're fortunate to have a house, you can build a wall and a gate to where when the, the uprisings happen, you can close off the gate, hopefully to protect your family in the riots and the chaos. Well, he had a man walking, working on the gate one day. He was all by himself. He had hired him. He was sitting on the porch watching everything, and something slipped. And, and the gate fell, the steel gate fell on the man's leg and broke it in half. The bones were sticking out of his leg. Everybody's running around crying, calling ambulance, this, that, and the other. And he's, this is his testimony. He rose up on the porch and he called out to everybody, Shut up! And he stretches out his hand and calls on the name Jesus. Without anybody touching the man, the leg bones began to come back together. The man gets up, finishes the job, and walks home that day. Come on, somebody. God is able. God is able. He wants to do things in your life today. Your brain is mad at you for thinking about it. Your logical brain can't even compare to what God is prepared to do for those who call on his name in faith. When we call on the name Jesus, I want you to know today that there are two representations of the God of the Old Testament of covenant embedded in the name of Jesus. Yahweh's salvation, Yahweh is salvation or Jehovah's salvation, Jehovah's. It goes back all the way to when Moses said, God, you want me to go to Pharaoh? Who do I say sending me? He says, I am. Which in the Hebrew is four letters, Y-H-W-H, the very foundation of the name Yahweh. It's exhaled. When it's, it's breathed out, when it's pronounced. Well, they didn't want to de desecrate the name of God. So Maserati scribes, 2,000 years later, um, added some, some vowel points to it from Adonai, Latinized it, and the translation Jehovah came forward. Amen. But, but when he says, I am, that was the tetragrammaton of the four letters of the secret name of God. It, and the Hebrew said to properly understand it, it is he who causes to be. One Hebrew translator says it's even deeper than that. It's he who causes to breathe. What was, what was God saying to Moses that day? He said, go tell Pharaoh and all the children of Israel and especially tell Pharaoh who's got barns full of idols that can't do nothing that a God who can make it happen is coming to town. And I want you to know, in his name, I am, is a causative tense, and it's a verb. The very name of your God is action. And when you call on the name Jesus Christ, you have his full attention. A God who can make it happen. You may be at the lowest of your lows. You're at the bottom. Look at your, You're having to look up to see the bottom today. You may be in a place where you don't know what you're going to do, where your next meal's coming from. You've got a sick loved one on the deck 
deathbed. But I want you to know, when you call on the name Jesus, he is a God who is able to do it. And he is a God who can make it happen today. We just got to believe it. God is willing to go to work for you. Bartimaeus, man, I've got to get on with this. Oh, I'll tell you what. I, everybody say, I am next. Do you believe it today? Do you believe it today? God's no respecter of persons. In verse 48, they warned him to be quiet. Let me tell you something. Not everybody's going to understand your desperation for God. But you know what? Bartimaeus showed us how to have faith that presses through. See, your miracle may require you to press through against the odds. It may require you to go against all the, uh, the opinions of people and to hold on to God with everything you've got. It may require you to shrug off all the doubts and the fears that want to... Well, I'll tell you what, I've, I've, I've experienced that. We need a breakthrough kind of faith, a faith that presses through. Not only does it see what God sees, but it presses through. And they wanted him to be quiet, but he cried out even more. Oh, I, tell, I love this guy because I can identify it. I know what it's like to cry out to God. I know what it's like to feel desperate. And I know what it's like to break through to the other side. Amen? I know what it's like. See, our generation, they're looking for a church that really believes in the God they say they serve. And they believe and they follow his word. And, they, and they're committed to it. And they're loyal to it. And they're faithful to it. Amen. That's how Jesus is presented to our generation, through the church. But he wouldn't give up. He cried out the more. And speeding along here, he cried out the more, and Jesus stopped. You know, there was one voice he heard that day. I'm coming in for a landing. It was a, the cry of a blind beggar man. Probably as lowest on the totem pole of social activity, acceptance in that society, other than a leper. Someone totally helpless. They couldn't help themselves. Their friends couldn't help them. The medical field couldn't help them. The banker wasn't going to help him. But a heart that was crying out for change. God, I need a change. You see, God loves showing himself to us when man says it can't be done. <laughs> Tell you a little story. My grandfather, Eugene Holder, his father abandoned the family when he was, I don't know, three years old. He grew up in the Depression time in and out of reformatory school, and the local Pentecostal church voted him most likely to never get saved. <laughs> well, God was just going to make a fool of their self-righteousness, okay? I mean, here's a guy where even the church says there's no hope for him. They couldn't even see how God could even do a work of grace in his life. Well, you know what? God got, grabbed a hold of his life, transformed him. He began, the, he, he began to pastor church and raise his family, and his family uh, is serving the Lord and, and, and generations. 
and down through the bloodline, a Marcos Witt comes along who's touched millions of people through the music God's given him from a heritage, from a man they said would never even be saved. Your pastor's wife, Heather, comes from the same bloodline of a man they said there's no hope for him. He'll never be saved. I want you to know You've got to reach beyond what your mind says is impossible. You've got to reach beyond what people say is impossible. You've got to reach beyond the statistics, and you've got to lay hold of your God because he's a God who is able to make it happen for you. I love Isaiah when it says in the Amplified Version, we've never heard of a God like you, nor have we seen a God like you who works and shows himself active on behalf of those who earnestly seek him. Are you desperate today? And to finish the story, Jesus stops and gives a command. And I want you to know, Bartimaeus jumped up. Faith always responds quickly to the word. And he took the coat that had reminded him all those years of the life he couldn't have and the life he wouldn't have and the things he couldn't do and the things he couldn't have and that he was different from everybody else. He took it off and he threw it to the side. Sorry about that, Angie. And... He threw it to the side. Let me tell you today, to lay hold of something new, you're going to have to let go of the old, like Mike Bell was saying here early today. You might be carrying some excuses, some burdens. You may be carrying around a lot of baggage. But let me tell you, if you're going to lay hold of new, you've got to let go of the old today. You've got to let go of your doubts and your fears, the sins and the weights. Lay hold of what God has for you. Let me tell you something. His plan for you is not to live at dead-end streets, to live broke, busted, and disgusted. He has an abundant life for you. But you got to go for it. you got to reach for it. you got to press into it. And like Bartimaeus, you got to say, God, have mercy. I need you. Allow the passion of God to arise in the church today like a hot burning flame of prayer. And desire. Jesus responds with a question. Now, this is how Jesus responded to faith. What can I do for you? I love Jesus because he's a whosoever kind of a God. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he's a whatsoever kind of a God that whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. You see, he jumped up and came to Jesus before the miracle was ever manifested. He stepped into the unknown. Your faith will lead you to step into the unknown. And that's where most people fail. They come to the edge and they say, God, I can't go any further. But he wants you to know if you'll take that step, there's going to be something to land on when you put that foot down. Because the psalmist says he enlarges the place of my feet. I've got to bring this to a close today. The Bible says, Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. You see, he let Bartimaeus choose the boundaries of what was about to happen because he's not holding back on anybody. He will work with you as you grow with your faith. As your faith is, it will be unto you. If there's anything we should be cultivating, it's our faith in him and what he has said. Put away faith detractors. 
Let the word of God build, build a faith champion on the inside of you. 2017, I was looking at the ministry and, and I'm like, how are we going to even do this? We go, I mean, for us to buy an airline ticket, we got to pray it in. I mean, going to all these nations, Lord, and how's it even going to work? And he spoke to me in prayer. He says, Doug, this year will be for you according to your faith. And there's revelation. I know when God speaks to me, uh, there's a revelation and there's an understanding there. I knew what he was saying. He said, I will live where, I'll let you live where you want to live. If you want to live with the status quo, I'll let you live there. If you want to live at a dead end street going nowhere, I'll let you live there. If you want to live just broke, busted, and disgusted, and complaining all the time, I'll let you live there. You're still my child, but I'll let you live there. But if you want to soar with me, you can. I said, oh God, I know I'm not enough. I want to soar with you. And all the testimonies that we're receiving of God's goodness and God's power transforming lives. I don't know about you today, but I want to soar with him because I know I'm not enough. I know I don't have enough. Oh, I want you to know, if you need, we're closing out right now. If you need an unchangeable in your life change, it could be a relationship, it could be financial, it could be medical. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. You know, Bartimaeus jumped to his feet. He knew it his day. He said, I am next. We don't have time to call everybody up here and pray for everybody, but I want you to know something. God, he sees you where you are. He hears the cry of your heart. And if he, he, what he's done and the testimonies you've heard, yeah, like, yeah, pretty much. The whole congregation, we know, we, we know who we need, but I want you to know that he's not only willing, but he is able. His Ability matches his willingness, and his willingness matches his ability. He's a God who's able. Won't you just lift up your hands and in your own words just begin to call on him. Just forget about everybody that's around you. If you need a touch from God, if you need a miracle, if you need your children apprehended by God, if you need a financial miracle, if you need medical, call out to God, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus. I'm calling on you to do a work in my life. I need your touch. I need your breakthrough. I need the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Lord, they're telling me there's no possible way. They're telling me it's impossible. Lord, they're telling me it can't be done. But I know I serve a living God who is able to... to oh, Come on, cry out to God in your own voice. Cry out to God. He's listening to you. I don't have to lay my hands on you. I don't have to come by your seat. He's hearing your cry right now. Hallelujah. Jesus. Lord, I just proclaim healings. In the name of Jesus, I pray oh, financial breakthrough and abundance. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of lack. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I release abundance. And Lord, I cry out for wisdom and grace for every situation. Lord, I pray, God, for revivals of healing signs and wonders that point to you the greater reality that you are the true and the living God. Lord, heal bodies today. Heal cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure 
Savior, oh God. If you've done it for one, you can do it for anybody. We're calling out to you because we believe, Lord. And Lord, I pray right now, every hindrance, Lord, that's in the way of us receiving what you have for us, we command it to get out of the way. We speak to mountains, be removed and cast into the sea because I am next. I am next for a miracle. I'm in line, oh God. I believe, oh God. I believe. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I was in Hungary and there's a man with such back pain. He was crying and he was going to leave the meeting. I was in the pulpit and I just, I didn't even lay hands on him. I just said, be healed in the name of Jesus. And I didn't touch him. I didn't do anything. God's been talking to me about speaking to things. And he was healed that day. He gave a testimony. Amen. Amen. And if he can heal somebody's back in, in, in Hungary, well, he can heal somebody's back here in San Antonio. Who's next? Who is next? Who is next? Amen. The next time you're up against the odds and your back's against the wall, remember that a blind man shows how to see through the eyes of faith. When we call on the name Jesus, we're calling on the God who is able. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. He can heal. He can deliver immediately. But I want you to know, don't give up. Don't give up. Be like Bart. You cry out till you see the move of God. You cry out till you see the breakthrough. Don't you dare give up. It's too soon to quit. We need to see more testimonies in the body of Christ. We need to hear more about the miraculous power of God. Amen. In the church. Why? So this world out there well, no, there's a God in heaven and there's a God in his church. And it's not just about sermons and organization. There's a living power among his people. God bless you all. Amen. Keep sowing seeds to see the gospel preached in the world and go believing. Go believing in Jesus' name.